What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. First edition of Fantasy Alarm's two-minute drill for the 2022 NFL season. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by James Babyface Grande following week one. Grande, how did week one go for you? Or are you just kind of letting it all sink in that football's finally back? Um, I, I Dan, I, I can't lie to you. I had a, a fantastic week one. Um, yeah. And by that, I mean, I didn't necessarily win a million dollars. I didn't even win a thousand dollars. I didn't even win all that much money. But you know what I did, Dan? I do? watched my New York Giants start one and zero. I watched my New York Football Giants start the year one and zero. They were uh, coming into yesterday's game. They were one and eleven the last twelve years in openers. I know that that's not a, something that you've experienced much in your lifetime. Um, <laughs> probably your whole life. Like I'm literally your whole lifetime. But it's something that I've put up with for. Uh, over a decade now, and you know what? It just feels good to be over 500. Like I can't express to you how great that feels. Um, plus, I've I think I won uh, in every league. Uh, you know, it's week one, but I think I'm undefeated in all my leagues. Um, you know, granted, there's best ball leagues and all that stuff. That a lot of lot of time to to go, but you know, good overall week. Cash and DFS. You and you and I talked about it yesterday. Um, Giants won. Won a lot of fan. Nothing wrong on this end, my man. Nothing wrong on this end so far. Yeah, I think the only downside for my week was that I just had to watch uh, all my preconceived notions about the Patriots just come true because they look absolutely yeah. terrible. And granted, I think heading into Sunday, they were like two and seven in Miami in their last nine games, and they looked so bad. That offense <laughs> is going to be atrocious to watch all season long. Um, but aside from the Patriots, I had a very pretty solid week. Um, we were talking about like the cash line yesterday and, and even though I took, you know, I took a slight loss in DFS overall, I felt really good about the DFS reads. I think my one mistake was pivoting off Saquon Barkley at the very end, right before lineup lock. Obviously that paid huge. And I still had plenty of shares of him in GPPs, but he wasn't my cash game lineup. Um, and then I made the terrible decision to take him out. And so that... It's not like my cash lineup wasn't bad. I put up like 150, 354 points, but that wasn't cashing in every single one of my double ups. Um, it finished way below the cut line in the $10, uh, I guess, multi-entry uh, double up on DraftKings. And that contest was just filled with a lineup training. Right. Um, right. So again, you know, I had a decent week, you know, Max entered the 50 cent mini max on DraftKings, so we'll see how that goes tonight. But I'm glad that you uh, decided to, you know, wave the Giants flag a little bit because I feel like um, among winners and losers for week one, we can really just turn our attention to, you know, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, you know, the, the, the spread offense and everything for him. First of all, he's healthy. And this is yep. a scheme that that can benefit him and get him back to the player that he was when he first broke into the league. What is Saquon Barkley's uh, upside? I know it's it, it's very well, you know, RB1. So I guess what is the floor? Can Is there a safe, you know, top five running back in fantasy football rest of season for Saquon Barkley? I mean, I, like, I, I really don't want it to sound like my fandom is, like, shining through when I say this because it's not like obviously I'm excited he looked fantastic but I think when Saquon Barkley is fully healthy um I mean they addressed the offensive line the last few years he 
could be the overall RB1. And I don't know if that's like a hot take. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's crazy, but like, we just need the guy to be on the field. He has a season under his belt with 2000 all purpose yards. He has a season under his belt with a hundred targets. Like he led the giants in targets yesterday. You know, not only did he dominate on the ground, he was great through the air. Um, So like, again, I don't think there's like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, yes, Saquon Barkley is the unequivocal RB1. But when you're talking about, like you just said, like there's a ceiling, I think the ceiling is RB1. And if he stays healthy, he is a RB5 or better. I I think him and Christian McCaffrey do a lot of the same things. I think Saquon's a better runner. I think McCaffrey is probably better in in the passing game and will get more volume there than Saquon. Um, But I do think the ceiling is RB1. Again, last year, you want to talk about like how people are injury prone and whatnot. I mean, he stepped on someone's ankle going over the middle for a pass. That's just so unfortunate. That's very unlucky. Um, and things like that happen in football. But right now, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 164 yards. He looked explosive. He looked patient. He looked awesome. Um, so I think that the ceiling is RB1. I think the floor is RB5 if we get a full season of, of Saquon. Uh, I do want to turn our attention briefly to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Detroit Lions games because two big winners came away from this one, arguably three. But I mean, Jalen Hurts was already being drafted as a as an elite quarterback, but uh, his connection was with AJ Brown was on full display. Uh, Hurts uh, on 29 targets. Brown had 13 of them for 10 <laughs> catches and 155 yards. Nobody else had more than four catches or four targets rather for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, DeAndre Swift looked so awesome. Uh, if it wasn't awesome. for Jamal Williams, you know, basically stealing two touchdowns, Swift could have had an even bigger day. Uh, I do have some concerns right. that they're going to just be using Williams at the goal line, but Swift on 15 carries had 144 yards, a touchdown, and he caught three passes. You know, <clears throat> I've seen some people talking about like trying to sell high on DeAndre Swift. But I'm of the mindset, like, he absolutely could, not. <laughs> he could legitimately catch 60 to 70 passes, maybe even more right. in this offense. So I, I don't really know why you'd really look to sell when you've got him at a relatively decent price. You had an RB1 in the second round when every other running back in week one, uh, for the most part, was an absolute dud. It was a big week for receivers taken in round one. Um, but overall, what are your thoughts? What, what were your big takeaways from this game? Because, I mean, it had 73 total points. Both offenses looked very good. Um, I think the Eagles may have lost Derek Barnett for the season. Um, yep. But overall, very entertaining game, and I'm excited for all my Jalen Hurts shares. I don't have a ton of A.J. Brown, but I do have a moderate amount of DeAndre Swift, a lot of Jalen Hurts. Loved how these two offenses came together and just put on an absolute show. Yeah, so I'll just start – I guess I'll just start with the Swift thing, right, because that's – I feel like that's just blasphemy. Um I mean, we're selling a guy who last year, I mean, you mentioned that we're talking about 70 targets. He had 78 targets in just 13 games last year. Um, so, you know, again, we're not going to be predictive of injury. If he's healthy the full year and he plays 17 games, who's to say DeAndre Swift isn't approaching 100 targets? Um, this is, looks like an improved runner as well. Four point young, 4.1 yards per carry last year. Um, I think there's obviously room for growth, 150 carries. So he had over 200 touches last year. Um, he had over a thousand yards. He had seven touchdowns. 
and he was battling injuries, and that was in 13 games. What are we selling? What are we doing? Block all those people. Get them off your Twitter feed. <laughs> You'll be better off as a fantasy player um, for anyone trying to sell DeAndre Swift just because Jamal Williams poached touchdowns. Listen, Jamal Williams poached touchdowns last year, and DeAndre Swift still went at end of first, early second in almost all your drafts. So um, clearly we weren't really thinking about – or we knew the possibility was there about Jamal Williams. Still took him that early. Um, in terms of Philly, look, you and I on this podcast last year crapped on Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. And I don't necessarily think he did anything to really, like, change my outlook on him in game one. He is a very potent fantasy quarterback who clearly got an upgrade at the skill position in A.J. Brown. Um, and that paid dividends right away. But – He's going to be good in fantasy because he runs like he ran in week one. Now, the problem becomes we saw four different running backs in Philly rush the football into the end zone. Well, mm-hmm. four different players. I, I should just say running backs because that's Jalen Hurts still is to me. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> those touchdowns to Jalen Hurts could go to Sanders or go to Gainwell or go to Boston Scott. Um, but, I mean, you have, to, you have to like that we saw 17 carries out of Jalen Hurts in week one. Um, they're obviously the offense really didn't change much. Um, they were the number one rush offense last year in terms of attempts or 30th and pass attempts, I should say. Um, 32 is a good sign. I still think they're going to run more than they pass this year. Um, I still Jalen Hurts, elite fantasy quarterback, still questions uh, as to whether or not he's going to get it done, um, you know, as a real life quarterback. But uh, hard not to like this whole game unless you're a Devonta Smith fan. Uh, pivoting to our next topic, fantasy football <laughs> losers. And I guess we could couple this with week one overreactions as well. Plenty of players in this pool to choose from and in terms of absolute losers and potential fantasy football busts. Um, who is one player that sticks out to you? Um, I'll go Alvin Kamara. Um, and really, like, was just disappointing to see. He got off to a pretty good start. And then we see Taysom Hill come into the game, and I thought their their taste the Taysom Hill days was behind us. I really did. I thought he was going to line up more as a tight end. I thought it was going to be more traditional offense, um, and it just wasn't. And then they go down huge, and Kamara's still like just not really involved in the passing game. I mean, four targets is nice, um, but the entire second half was Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. And, and that's how the Saints battled back. And there was no sign of Alvin Kamara anywhere. Um, so for a guy that we all got it, you know, I won't say excited for, but like pretty much when they announced that this, his court date was pushed back, like it was kind of like the green light to, to take Camaro, you know, he started pushing him up our draft boards. Um, and it, in the, in Maybe the most cupcake matchup on the board uh, for all of week one, he just let all of us down. Nine carries, I mean, just 12 touches in a game. Again, like this has been one of the most prolific pass catchers in fantasy football out of the backfield, and just three catches for seven yards. It was uh, in a, a really extremely disappointing outing for Alvin Kamara. Uh, one player I was really disappointed in um, over on the West Coast, I don't really know what was going on with Mike Williams. Uh, he only had two <laughs> catches, 10 yards on four targets. Now, Justin Herbert did a very, very, very good job of spreading the ball around. Um, only 34 pass attempts, but it's the AFC West. There will be bigger shootouts. Uh, 
there's no doubt about it. The Raiders Chargers game was a bit of a, a dud in terms of, you know, offensive production, only 43 total points. But Mike Williams, I'm concerned, but at least, you know, there is a window if Keenan Allen's uh, injury is a problem. You know, right. Mike Williams, eventually he did, you know, get his breakout. But there are still instances in his career where, you know, last year against Denver in I think it was week 17, he only had four targets. And then if you look at his game log from even a year ago, there are about half of his games where he's getting six or fewer targets. And so he, Mike Williams is not going to be a consistent fantasy contributor. Um, now he's going to have big games. There will be games when he's targeted 12, at least 12 times. Uh, could very well happen next week. But overall, Mike Williams is a big bust for me. Um, and that was a guy that I was moderately heavy on in DFS. And he was one player that just didn't come through. Uh, but overall, I was very surprised that with how much Justin Herbert and the Chargers spread the ball around on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% correct. But, you know, when we think about Mike Williams, I mean, think about, like, his career. And his first 1,000-yard season, he had, like, 50 receptions. Yeah. So, like, talk about, like, being completely boomer bust, right? Like, this guy is literally just stretching the field. He's catching all of his passes, you know, vertically. Um, and yes, he is a uber talented guy, but like, as long as Keenan Allen's around, like all those routes underneath are all going to Keenan Allen while Williams is taking the top off. There is word that Keenan Allen unlikely for week two, they have to, they play Thursday. Like that would be a very quick turnaround, mm-hmm. um, tough game for them to not have Keenan Allen considering it's the chiefs, but, yeah. um, it is what it is. You know, you have to like him. I, I think. It is definitely, like, concerning giving his, like, career ups and downs, like you said. and um, But it, it's hard not to like him, even though the ball is spread out so well. It's hard not to like him if there's no Keenan Allen on the field, which that's what it looks like, at least for week two. And we don't know what, what's to come after that. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to go right back to the well with Mike Williams, but definitely disappointing in week two. Uh, who is going to be your favorite waiver wire target uh, for the upcoming period? Um, favorite waiver wire target. I mean, so I I took like not that I took a zero RB approach this year, Dan, but I was a very I was very very heavily um, anchor RB. So I definitely don't have RB depth in a lot of places. So I'll most likely be attacking Jeff Wilson Jr. hard. And I know Debo Samuel is going to be available or is going to be the running, probably the running back one in San Francisco. Um, So like, you know, we are contending with that fact, but you know, Jeff Wilson did have nine carries in a game that they were trailing for almost all of it. And we don't really think of just Jeff Wilson as a guy who is going to catch passes, but he's a good runner when he's healthy. And I think this first game, like, I I don't know how you feel about that game against the bears, but like very hard to judge the Niners offense, really anyone in that game, just considering the weather and considering what it looked like, like it was just a mess. Um, I do like Jeff Wilson being in for 18 snaps um, in the backfield, which was, you know, the most they had. So, um, uh, Jeff Wilson is probably in most places for me going to be my priority pickup, especially, if, and that should be 
you know, the case for a lot of teams that did go, you know, heavy with the receiver route or tight end or just other positions other than running backs. Because I think anchor RB has become kind of a popular approach. Um, just taking the best player, essentially. And and usually when you get into those middle rounds of your draft, it's not a running back. Um, so I'm going to go Jeff Wilson Jr. as my as my top overall uh, pickup so far. Uh, sticking with 49ers running backs, I think people in deeper leagues can also consider Jordan Mason, uh, sure. undrafted rookie running back, did get five snaps on Sunday. Um, I'll be real quick. I think that if he's available in shallower leagues, Tyler Boyd is one player that I really want to be adding at wide receiver. If T. Higgins is going to miss a few yeah, games, uh, Tyler Boyd is in line for a much bigger role. Uh, he could easily see anywhere from seven to eight, maybe even 11 targets a game that they're not per game. I'm not going to say per game because we don't know how long uh, Higgins is going to be out yet, but Tyler Boyd could be uh, a very popular commodity for a Bengals team that really wants to bounce back. Hard to believe both Super Bowl teams lost in week one. Uh, <laughs> did lose to the Bills. Uh, but injury news, <clears throat> we can uh, just kind of go rapid fire through here. Dak Prescott uh, injured his thumb. He did have surgery uh, this week or today, actually, he's out six to eight weeks. Uh, How likely are you to be starting C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott with Cooper? (laughs) Oh, this is a backbreaker, huh? You know what sucks is that Ezekiel Elliott was looking really good, too. But now defenses can just stack the box. Are you saying he was looking good because his helmet, he he looked like a Power Ranger, or because... um, he was looking spry because, he, you know, I think a little bit of both. I I think the Power Ranger look sure. suits Zeke. Ah, uh, oh man, CD Lamb season is over before it even started, dude. Uh, I mean, I think if there is anybody I feel comfortable with, it's it's probably those two guys. Like obviously Dalton Schultz, huge hit. I think CD Lamb is what a, a flex play with Cooper Rush at best. I think Zeke probably the same thing. Um, I guess it all depends on roster depth, but like outside of Lamb, outside of Zeke, and I will say Tony Pollard only played two less snaps than Zeke. Um, so all those three are probably flexes. CeeDee Lamb, you know, probably still in that wide receiver two discussion. Um, but Cooper Rush, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really know what to say about him. He looked... He he beat the Vikings last year, right? That was his the one his one shining moment, and then he looked te- terrible in preseason this year. So, um, gonna be tough. Skip Bayless seems to think that he can be just as good as Dak Prescott. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've had Skip I've had Skip Bayless uh, muted on Twitter for the last ten years for that reason exactly. He's uh, out of his mind. Some bad news in the Monday Night Football game: uh, Jamal Adams was carted off the field, and that could be potentially disastrous for Seattle secondary. Uh, Chris Godwin dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, we've already talked about uh, Keenan Allen and Elijah Mitchell, but regarding Godwin, uh, who is the next man up for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Is it once again Julio Jones season? Can we see him turn back the clock? It could be. He looked good. Didn't yeah. he look good? He, he looked really good. good. In the, um, so <clears throat> again, it's like it's it's very it's very um, bad of us especially as analysts, to, like, predict injury. Um, and obviously, he has not been healthy. I understand that, right? Um, there has been constant injury. 
even in game, like he will break off a big play and then right. he comes up limping and he just has to go to the <laughs> sideline for a play or two. Like right. that's just his but, MO. But this like I mean, like what he's not he's not injured now, right? So like if he's healthy now, I have no problem going to Godwin or to going to Julio Jones. I have no problem, you know, maybe even giving Russell Gage a look in, in deep formats either. So I think um those two are instantly, you know, catapulted to the front. And obviously, you know. Without Godwin, Mike Evans just going to continue to be a monster. Uh, this week's edition of Are They Bad? Uh, the Green Bay Packers <laughs> are 0-1. They lost an absolute snooze fest to the Minnesota Vikings, 23-7. to Are the Packers bad? I think. I, I mean, I, don't, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Vikings are actually pretty good. Um, but the, the Packers' offensive line kind of stinks. Um, and they are an absolute mess at receiver. Um, Christian Watson dropped that. I mean, dropped that touchdown. I don't know if you saw Aaron Rodgers on the hot mic, but there. I mean, on the mic, but there was at least 500 f bombs, and it was like yeah. the first quarter alone. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like, I'm not, you know, overreaction Monday, right? For a reason. I'm not ready to bury them completely, but like. I'm not sure they're bad, but I'm not sure they're good either. I'm not going to say that they're bad right now. I still think that they're good. We've seen – remember last year, week one, the Packers had a disastrous start in that game as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I almost wanted to throw the 49ers in this in this conversation as well because they lost uh, in a game that was slightly impacted by weather. I actually thought the weather was worse pregame and late in the second half than it was for most of the game. I thought that the conditions were relatively playable. Um, and the 49ers and Trey Lance, sure, they lost Elijah Mitchell. But uh, it's probably a good thing that the 49ers locked up Jimmy Garoppolo because it's potential, it's it's possible that the 49ers could sit Lance and bring in Garoppolo if they want to if if they get in too deep of a hole too quickly. And we thought that the 49ers and Trey Lance had a very easy schedule to start. And right now, you know, we're watching, you know, the 49ers lost to the Bears and we're watching the Seahawks give the Broncos a decent game so far. And maybe we need to really pump the brakes on Trey Lance because he could be benched if this team isn't winning. I mean, uh, let me, let me just ask you a follow-up question then. Cause I'm, I, I do think the weather was quite bad and I don't think like pregame to like game time to like, you know, I, I don't think that there was, like a chance for them to really get the field in in great condition. How many games does Trey Lance or like what's the what's the first game you suspect Jimmy G plays if they struggle? So here's their schedule: Bears, Seahawks, Broncos, Rams. If they're what one and three, zero oh and four, is he still in? Is he still on the field? I think we could see Jimmy G as soon as the Rams game. That's a prime time. So the Broncos game in Denver is a prime time game, and then the following, the following week is another prime time game. ESPN Monday Night Football. Is that if they're zero and three, do they do they go to Jimmy G? If they're zero and three going into a, a game against the Rams in prime time, I don't see how they gamble on Trey Lance and potentially going zero and four in a very competitive division. They have a good team. Um, when when they're this. Good. Yeah, when this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, this isn't a team that can really like 
you right. know, wait around and, and see what and, and just, you know, be patient with their rookie quarterback. This is a team that can make the Super Bowl and they simply cannot afford to just, you know, let this the Trey Lance experiment play out. You know, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is on who has taken this team deep into the playoffs before. And he's on a friendly uh, contract for the team, and he's getting paid $7 million basically to be a backup. But he still wants to play for a contract next year. And he's probably hoping that the team can start 0-3 so he can come back and and turn the season around. (laughs) Wow. What a pessimist you are. Uh, Being a realist, like he probably – he definitely wants to lock in his next contract. The only way he's going to be able to do that – is if he you know, like gets in there and can play. And it's very reasonable to think that may, this 49ers could lose next week to Seattle. Uh, they they were in an absolute dumpster fire this week. And they could lose to Denver against Russell Wilson and company. And then they could be, at best, one and two, uh, in my opinion, against the heading into the Rams. And I really don't think they want to fall to one and three or zero oh and four. I definitely think they're one and one going into week three. I think they're going to beat Seattle. Um, you know, anything can happen. It's football. It's crazy, right? Kevin Garnett taught us that anything is possible. But um, I think they're 1-1 one one going into week three. And I think if they have a win on the board, I don't think they make the swap. But I don't think they, he gets past, like, if they're 1-4 going into, like, week six, I think, you know, the plug is pulled and, and we see Garoppolo. But I am not ready to bury Trey Lance just yet. Um, give him a couple more weeks. Um, and let's see how this thing plays out. All right. Wrap it up with Believe It or Not. All right, Dan. First question. First, Believe It or Not. Uh, coming into the Monday night football game, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, and Jameis Winston are all currently a QB1 in 12-team leagues. Do you believe, Dan Malin, that one or more of those three will finish a QB one by year's end. No. Zero. Uh, I I think the only one that realistically has a chance is Jameis Winston. Um, I don't really necessarily buy stock into Mariota. I think that there could be uh, a time where the Falcons want to see what they have um, elsewhere at the quarterback position. Carson Wentz. I find it very hard to believe that he can even, um, produce a wide receiver one and so I don't really think that he can hold up for a full season as a QB one I just if we're talking a 12 team league there are easily 12 quarterbacks that I would rather have for the remainder of a full season than in any of these three well this is why we play the week one overreaction game um last but not least then Michael Carter of the New York Jets no not the defensive Michael Carter but the offensive Michael Carter the running back had 17 touches compared to Brees Hall's 12th. Do you believe that Michael Carter will have more touches than the fourth-round draft pick, Brees Hall, fourth-round draft pick in your fantasy leagues by year's end? I don't. I think that uh, the Jets are going to be a team that are going to lose more than they win, and at a certain point you have to start featuring and and getting – a return on your investment. And they took Brees Hall in the second round of April's draft. Uh, I think it was a second round pick. Um, Michael Carter is a nice addition. I think that everyone in the organization knows that he is not uh, a franchise running back. He's not someone that they want to 
allow to touch the ball uh, significantly more than Brees Hall. Uh, Hall is an absolute animal. He's an uh, incredible physical specimen. Uh, he should be getting the 17 touches to Carter's 12, in my opinion. Uh, but it's week one. He's a rookie running back. They're not going to go all in on him just yet. But if they keep losing, you know, it's it's kind of like the 49ers situation. Eventually, your hand is forced. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, one, they do it just to, like, sell tickets, even though I'm pretty sure they've already sold out all their games. But I feel like Salah has to eventually feel like the seat is getting a little bit warm. And you right. you need to see what you can get or what you have with these you know, these young prospects that you invested so much draft capital in. Um, so I think that we probably see Carter over the next one or two games, probably out touch hall, but eventually you'll see that transition. It's very similar to what happened in Denver with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Whereas now Javante Williams in year two is, is the presumed, you know, quote unquote guy in that backfield. It's not going to happen for hall this year. Uh, but I think as, as the season progresses, you'll it, you know, there will there will be an adjustment to the mean. So I'm not overreacting to Michael Carter's heavy workload. Sure, it's nice, uh, but it does nothing to move the needle for me. I will say it's not like they didn't invest in Michael Carter in the draft either two years ago, taking him in the fourth round. I mean, uh, we've seen plenty of late round running backs be successful um, and, you know, become starting running backs in the league over someone that's, you know, was suspected to be the guy. So, um, i.e., the 49er situation just last year with Trey Sermon, who's no longer on the team a year after being drafted, and uh, Elijah Mitchell being taken the seventh round. So just throwing that out there. Just throwing that little caveat out there. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I also think it's interesting to uh, – an interesting situation to monitor because Carter was, you know, clearly the RB1 to start uh, this season for them. And I was actually really high on Brees Hall in draft season. Um, I did the uh, we did the player debate. I did it with Britt Flynn, and I argued as to why you should be taking Brees Hall. And gradually, it, it felt like almost a day or two after you know the article was published, it seemed like we were getting those reports that it was going to be a committee to start the year, uh, and that obviously killed my momentum uh, regarding Brees Hall. But I think that you know he'll finish strong. He's he's such a special player, and, and I you know don't fault the the just for taking him in the second round. But I also think like, if you're going to take him in the second round, just, just get your usage out of him. Like show, show us why you decided to take him in the second sure. round. Like it's football. Like you may want to protect the guy and, you know, not overrun him. But at the same time, like it, you know, no one is, is uh, free from injury in this game. And he is at Great. a more injury prone position, but at the same time, like I want to see him with the ball in his hands. I think he's the best, right. he is the best running back that they have. Um, but the Jets are the Jets are gonna suck no matter what. It's it's like death whoa, taxes. And the Jets whoa! Oh my gosh, Jet fans, t- duck! Dan Dan Mellon taking shots, duck and cover, please. I'm saying please. this as a Patriots fan, and I really expect <laughs> the Patriots to maybe win four games this year. More wins, Jets or Patriots this year? Uh, the Patriots. Ooh, still going with the Patriots, huh? Even though Zach Wilson got that. Dog. The Patriots will win two games against the Jets. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but that will wrap it up for our week one recap. Grande, thank you so much for your time. Uh, looking forward to doing this the rest of the season. And we will be back next week recapping week two.